No matter what we do, whether it's shopping online or downloading a new app, it seems like there's always someone trying to collect our information. Many of the applications that you have on your phone don't ask you to turn your location on or off, but it's really still there. You overlay that with your credit card transactions. Now they know what you did. After a while, they start getting your habits. So what kind of data are we talking about? All data. <laughs> Everything. They're watching us. The more data you can get, the better you are. The challenge you have is how do you get those data components to think together? This might sound like the premise to a dark science fiction movie, but big data collection has actually been around for some time, helping consumers find better deals and relevant services. Throughout this season, we've been looking at how credit unions could, and have been, employing modern techniques to better serve their members. Allied Solutions' Pete Hilger is exploring how big data can now be used to offer tailored financial products and even anticipate future needs. Big data is set to reimagine the lending market, potentially making services available to thousands more people. The credit union's data has all those powerful components right within it to be able to dynamically change how they underwrite and approve loans. I would argue that sometime in the future that credit score may not even be needed. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. In this series, we explore the trends that are already transforming credit unions and the technologies they'll need to prosper in a brave new payment landscape. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And today, how to utilize big data. We'll talk about the data resources credit unions could use to help them strengthen their position and become their members' primary financial institution. And we'll look at just what kind of data is being collected and how it could be used to revolutionize the lending market. Pete Hilger, CEO and President at Allied Solutions, shares with us some of the latest groundbreaking use cases for big data and looks to how it could be developed to better serve credit unions and their members. What's happening with our data? We know that there's a data selling ecosystem among the card processing networks. Can you just talk a little bit about that to get us started? For the last four or five years, big data has been kind of a buzzword. But for the most part, nobody's really made it meaningful. And I use that term a lot, meaningful. And what's that mean? It means, how do I turn data into something useful that provides good resources and access to my consumer and member and get a positive ROI? And you think about where the data comes from. It's not just from the core system. It's not just from the loan origination system or the collection platform. It's through all the partners you use as well. You know, FIS has an example with the, the credit card transactions. The amount of data on consumer habits that's there is, is significant. We at our company track millions and millions of auto loans. And we can tell you where that car is all the time because we take pictures of license plates continuously. And when you take all that data and you can figure out how to merge it and then understand consumer behavior that's when you're all of a sudden getting into a meaningful, meaningful usage of that data. Well, a lot of people are saying that data is the new currency. So why is it such a hot topic? Is it a hot topic or a controversial topic? That's interesting. From a controversial standpoint, it is that privacy issue with the consumer. So we've all, and it's been going on for a while, you've all been 
for example, at a car dealer, and all of a sudden, uh, if you're working with a sophisticated financial institutions, and there's plenty of credit unions that are sophisticated, you get something that pops up if you have your location on, and it tells you that, hey, get a loan here, and here's your interest rate when you're sitting there getting ready to go to a, talk to an F&I guy. So that all of a sudden, people say it's creepy. How did they know I was here? How did they know what I was doing, right? I'm a, kind of on the opposite side of that. I had turned my locator on all the time because what you get when you get rid of that privacy concern is some intelligence about where you can get the best deal or where you can get the product that best fits your lifestyle and how you can do it from a convenience factor. So I think that's starting to become more acceptable. We know that financial institutions can collect a wide range of information, but what are some of the practical applications they could use this data for? You have all these pieces of data that everybody's known for quite some time, but how are you able to build in an interface or integration of all that data? And the data that we're talking about is valuable credit card data. People think of credit card transactions as something where you can get some good interest yield off of, you get some transactional fees off of it, but it's much more than that. That is a measurement of an individual's day-to-day habits, right? You're using your credit card or your debit card, tons of data there. If you use data correctly, and let's do a loan. So somebody did a loan today, an auto loan today, and they start making their payments. What the institution doesn't know is how their habits affect their ability to pay their obligation down the line, right? So very easily, somebody could bury themselves in debt Uh, They decide to buy the biggest package of of internet services and cable services, for example. They go out and buy a second car. You don't know any of that until a problem exists. And so what you can do with data through some analytics, you can have some foresight into the future as to the dependability of that consumer ability to pay, not willingness, because those are two different things. And if you can figure that out, you can be proactive with your member and can be able to say, hey, listen, I understand that you've got these other loans out there. Why don't we do a consolidation? We can reduce your payment. And then in essence, it's getting a new service, but it's also protecting that original obligation that you did on the loan. So this can help both the merchant and the consumer, because like normally you would just get uh, you would just get your credit score and based on your credit score, you couldn't get a loan. But now they can look at uh, a more comprehensive picture of who you are. Does that sort of sum it up? That, that sums it up. And, and I'll tell you that credit scores should just be a small component in the future of your lending decision and, and, and your credit worthiness of your borrower. It's interesting. I was talking about this episode with some friends of mine last night just because it was, it was so overwhelming to think about all of the data that's out there. And a friend of mine was talking about how in China, they now have a personal score so like if you are go to jail, your score goes down. So is that is that sort of comparable to, to this big data here? Oh, it's very comparable. We use a tool within our organization. Um, one of the things we do is track auto insurance and mortgage insurance for individual institutions. And we have found that the analytics we use, which are personal behavior analytics, and what we're trying to find out is the propensity for them to have insurance so that we don't have to harass them with a bunch of notices. And everything we use to define that in 10 different deciles is all personal behavior information. Wow. Okay, so I will think about that before I do something untoward (laughs) so that I can get my next vehicle. Uh, So let's talk about how much data is being collected day to day or year to year. Can you give us some numbers? I can just tell you 
an unbelievable amount that's changing every day. Statistically, I'm not sure I can come out and give you great numbers. I, here's what's transpiring. Historically, institutions have looked in the rearview mirror. They've always looked at what's behind them. They need to take a, a vision of looking at what's in your forward view, in your windshield. And that's where all that data is coming I mean, it's coming from every different resource that you have. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would encourage the credit union industry to do is to define their pattern or define their purpose. Because once you can define that, you can then determine what data points you need to build to. There's so much data out there. I mean, it, it's, it's coming from everyone. Everybody wants it, right? One of the craziest things is it's the institution's data in the most part because we're dealing about their members. But everybody wants to charge them for it as well. So someday there needs to become a central hub of information that is the institutions because you, right now you have the core charging them, you have the collection platform charging them, you have everybody charging them for their data, but it's their data. And creating a central hub of where this data would be housed then makes it easier to pick and choose what components you want, extract it, and then make it quote unquote meaningful when you're trying to market to the consumer and fulfill a need uh, that they might have. Okay, so you talked a little bit about credit unions, which is kind of what we're talking about in this episode. Consumers of credit unions are members. My husband's been a member of one for years and years and years. So in general, what have consumers of credit unions thought about when they hear that their, their data is being collected for use by their credit union? Well, credit members are, are unique, and, and I'm also a credit union member. They trust their institution. And therefore, exactly. they're willing to share a little more mm -hmm. and they're willing to accept that connection or that equal branding between the member and the credit union. And so when you have that, I think you have a, a free benefit. And don't use the word free too lightly because it takes a lot of culture development and a lot of years where those members who technically own part of that institution develop that trust. I think that is a huge component of why a credit union has an advantage over some of these big companies because they have that trust factor. It's already there. It seems that the core principles of credit unions, friendly, not-for-profit and personable, have put them in a unique position to embrace big data. And the confidence their members have in them has allowed them to overcome the trust barrier most other financial institutions might face. But what does this mean for the ways credit unions practice? And how will harnessing this data influence their lending decisions? A couple different things. Traditional products historically, and that's one of the things I think they need to evolve. So it was your credit card, your auto loan, your mortgage loan, and your personal loan. That was really the type of lending that they did. And so they're going to have to modernize that type of quote-unquote lending product set. The other thing they're going to need to do is not wait for the member to come to them. The credit union industry had a culture and a brand of being the friendly neighbor. Okay, Don't want to put too much pressure on anybody. Don't want to sell them too much. We'd really just like them to come to us and we can give them a loan. And then that goes back 10, 15 years ago. And as the journey closer to now and then into the future, they've realized that there's so many opportunities. They used to always say that they want to be the PFI, the primary financial institution. And they would set these roadmaps out on this marketing journey. And I would say that they, they did an okay job on that, but they have beefed up their marketing significantly now. And so when you look at where they need to go in the future, it's go find the member, 
go find the need so you can fulfill the member's needs with the type of loan set that's out there. And the loan sets are going to change. You may do an auto loan in the future that's not about the car they're driving. Because remember, you're borrowing money to the person, not the collateral. The collateral doesn't make the payment. The collateral may make that loan more secure, but it's not the one that's making the payment. And so you may end up doing a car loan that says it doesn't matter what type of car you have. We're going to do a loan for you for $40,000. And as long as you have a car that fits within that $40,000 budget, you can always have this loan out there. And that loan may be a total protected loan. So it may have a warranty. It may have gap coverage in the event that you total your car. It might have some involuntary unemployment and disability coverage all blended in. So it becomes a total protected loan and you don't have to go through the loan approval process every time you get a car. That's just an example of some of the things we're working on on modernizing the product set that fits into what I think is going to be the design of future loan. It sounds like it's just going to be much more efficient and benefit everybody. Correct. Okay, so again, going back in time, we've talked about these traditional ways of deciding who to lend to. But one of the big things that lenders do is they used to assess, or they they still do, assess risk. So what have been those limitations of the traditional methods of assessing risk? So your your traditional ones were, you know, get your income statement, we're going to run a credit report, assess the asset of the collateral that you're going to be borrowing on, if it's an auto or a mortgage or something different what type of credit worthiness you have to drive a line of credit to a certain amount. They would underwrite that. They'd take in their debt ratios and they would say, okay, here's the approval. And what's missing from that is how do I blend in that personal behavior, those personal attributes of an individual that builds their character, helps you understand their habits, and then determines are they going to have an ongoing willingness to pay once they signed up for this obligation? And so you can go out and use the data. There's data warehouses that you can buy data from that talk, and we do it. That's where we get a lot of this human behavior factors. But you also have it right at your fingertips with all the partners you have and the systems you have internally. Your data, being the credit union's data, has all those powerful components right within it to be able to dynamically change how they underwrite and approve loans. I would argue that sometime in the future that credit score may not even be needed unless the credit scoring companies, the transunions, et cetera, change what's built within that credit score. Right, because you can't, and I just think this is so interesting because I see, I know so many people who have been turned down for small business loans or getting a house just based on that score, but it, it never, that score can't show you what a business idea is worth or the person's working history or their current financial situation. I love the how you said it's all looking through the rearview mirror. <laughs> well, exactly. And you can, you if, if you leverage the transactional payment data, and, and that, that's where when you look at what credits really need to be doing is they need to embrace and strategize with, because if you look at whether you're using a digital card, a hard card, whether you're in person or online, it's telling everything you and your family do every day. It tells you so much information. It's right at your fingertips. Yeah, and they can access that to personalize products for the member that make the member's life easier. Exactly. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about going back in the past and what the limitations were. And and we've also incorporated that this is a better way. So what does incorporating the card transactions, the, the big data allow CUs to do? Is this just about offering better rates? No, that's a that's one component. I, I think that especially with the compressed interest rate market right now, institutions in general, 
have a big challenge today in margin. Um, it's really compressed. You have to get more in tune to value, understanding, and benefit, benefit being the products that are tied to it. And when you look at it, you can look at how the portfolio is evolving over time, identify risk and opportunity. So don't just do the loan, do the loan, find these components of data that you have out there to understand what the need is and proactively measure the risk in the future and measure the opportunity in the future. Because mm. people are borrowing on a regular basis. And you know a, a credit union in many cases is just one of the several financial institutions. We, I mentioned earlier that we can track license plates and we do it for a lot of different reasons. And you're getting them from toll roads, you're getting them from the cameras on the uh, street signs, and you're getting data everywhere. And so we were able to find out that a credit union member went to their credit union and right after they left the credit union, they went to a bank. So why is that? Did they just go to the credit union to cash their check? When you get that person having a relationship or a conversation with the credit, it could be digitally or, or walking. How do you then mine that need and fulfill that obligation that that consumer is asking for, in essence, before they go to this other location? And, and I think that is something that you're going to see as a, a primary focus, because now, remember I mentioned uh, primary financial institution? Mm -hmm. Well, now it's the OFI. Credit unions want to become the only financial institution that that member or customer uses. There's no shortage of lending options in this day and age. From traditional bank borrowing to same-day loan apps, it's a crowded space. So could big data be the credit union's key to remaining competitive in this market? And what steps do they need to take to turn this vision into reality? I think that's part of the answer. Risk management is the other component. And I think the third piece of it is, is partnering with the outside resources so you can develop quickly the value proposition that big data can bring to you and your members. And that's a lot of work. But they're so much further along today than they were before. And I, again, I think because of this pandemic, the level of focus and commitment to that is rapidly increasing. And who do they look to to help mine and use and deploy that information? Because we mentioned earlier that the, that's one of the really limiting factors is there's so much out there. Who, who are the people? Who are the users? Who's the AI <laughs> that helps uh, sift through all this information? So you really need to look at, at two different components. You need to look at the analytical side or the artificial intelligence. What do we do with it? And there's a lot of different companies out there. There are companies like ours. There's FIS. There's you know CUNA Mutual, Southwest Business. There's just a lot of people out there servicing the credit industry. But then you have to be able to go and find out what data that you want. Because it can be very overwhelming. If I just say, I want all my data and I want to be able to make it immediately useful for anything I want to do with it you're going to be talking about that two, three, four years around down. So what I would recommend, and this is what we're doing as a company, get some early wins. Get some wins where you can actually see that data turning into an ROI and then build off of that. Because if you try to accomplish it all at one time, it can be a cost issue. But the bigger thing, it can be a deployment issue. And the only other thing I would say is, is the quicker you develop these partners and these relationships, the further up you're going to move on the priority list because the world's going fast and there's only so many resources out there. And so what benefits 
could the integration of big data have on marketing efforts? Well, consumer behavior, right? So you get big data. Big data can determine how you price your your loans. But if you could take a loan that had a 2% interest rate on a new car loan for 60 months, there's not a lot of margin there. So really with that data, you can understand what other needs are out there that you can tie into that loan. An example I give is is, uh, there's a bunch of these uh, ding and dent type products out there. So if I was able to tell you that you always park on the side of the road, and you're buying this beautiful new car, you don't have a, dra- a, a garage and you live in a city. Well, now I know that this product's gonna have value to you. Because I know you've been parking on that side of the road and I know that you've been walking up to your car and you've looked and your mirror's been dinged, you've had a scratch on the car, and now all of a sudden there's value for you as a member. There's an appreciation factor that my credit now knows more about me to protect me. And then there's that product solution that then drives additional revenue and benefit. Revenue to the institution, benefit to the consumer. Pete, have you been watching my car <laughs> and where I park? <laughs> it's kind of an issue between me and my husband. Not that I ding my car, but you talk about something else. This kind of goes into member demographics. Uh, we, we talked all last season a lot about uh, generational use, um, how the gener- generational habits of spending money and behavior habits. And so how can this help to understand member demographics and segmenting parts of the population. So I I take member demographics and geography, where they live. Those are two really, really important components. You live up in the north where it's really cold, you have different personal needs than if you live down in Florida, for example. Remember, with all this data, you know what they're doing. And if you know what they're doing, it shouldn't be that difficult to find the solution for them. It's how you deploy and market that solution to them. Um, So if I have a, let's say somebody's graduating from college and I know that we have a a Gen X, Gen Y person coming out, I'm probably gonna be smart enough to understand that all their, if I'm looking at the data, that everything they do is online. They don't wanna look, talk, or see another person. They don't even wanna pull their credit card out of their wallet. They wanna do everything online. They're in person, they wanna tap it and they don't want to worry about the traditional transaction out there. Well, if you know that, isn't that going to put you much further ahead on how to provide the right products and services that they need? Yeah, for sure. And so we've talked a lot about how uh, big data can help the credit unions, but how can it help the members? How can it help members discover other services that your credit union has to offer? The biggest word is convenience. We all love that. (laughs) We all love convenience. And convenience is on the consumer side, but it's also on the credit union side. So how can I conveniently provide a transaction for a consumer that costs us both less? Less could be less time, could be less cost, could be less aggravation, or it could be a much greater personal experience on how we did it. I think that when you go down that journey, and you look at the how, you got to look at the why, and then the when, the timing side of it. And you're talking about that efficiency. I bet that helps with loan applications, credit card applications. I mean, the abandonment issue in the middle of a loan process, I and mean, people can get frustrated or feel like they're not qualified, so they'll just abandon the, the application. You're right on. You're right on. And an abandonment doesn't mean the person's not going to do a loan somewhere. The chances are if that person 
departs from that transaction right in the middle of the process, not only are they going to do the loan somewhere else, but the chances of getting them back is going to be more challenging. Right. So they can use that data to figure out ways to, I hate to use the word lure them back in or entice them or make it more palatable. Yeah, lure entice it kind of really is what it is, right? But <laughs> it's, it's really how do we get them to trust that relationship? And so I talked about credits having trust, but that doesn't mean they have complete trust. How do they get them to say, wow, they just sent me this. How did they know I was looking at this and what a great deal it is and how convenient is it? I can do a loan without ever talking to a person. They can offer me products that fit my lifestyle and I can literally close this loan in five minutes and move on with my life. And you know, that, that exists today in an in indirect loan at, at some level. But I got to tell you, the loan process today, let's say the average loan takes 45 minutes today. I can see in the next year or two that average loan taking five minutes because wow. you have all the data. You've already made your decision about these people before they even go out and ask for a loan. Pete told us how members really trust in their credit unions to use big data in a way that benefits them. But what do the credit unions think about it? How have their attitudes changed towards the adoption of big data over the years? Well, how it's changed for us is you have to be ready to move fast and you have to be nimble. You have to be able to adjust. Um, and you have to invest. It, it, I can tell you that digital and data are one of the top three largest investments we have at our organization. Um, and that's outside of employee salary. But so you have to be willing to invest, but with a plan to get a positive ROI. The other thing is, is that the lending institutions need to know that they have a tremendous asset. Use it. Deploy it. Don't just be a financial institution. Be a financial consultant. Be a, a, a human resource as to what their needs are. So they, they really need to transition to speed, willingness to take risk, risk on how they're going to test what best works for them, what access points they need to have. With technology becomes headaches, right? I mean, how many times have we all been doing something on technology and you kind of throw your hands up? You have to make sure that as you deploy that, that consumer experience is in the forefront. And again, and I've pounded this partnership thing, but there are very many resources out there that have great partners that have already developed some of the things you're thinking about developing. Partner up with them, build a strategy, and make that strategy in steps, narrow little chunks, so you can start to see the successes materialize. Yeah, I think one of the words that, that came up was collaboration. It's like the consumer being a collaborator with your credit union or your financial institution. And it's this big data can really help facilitate that collaboration in the big picture. So what are the key benefits that credit unions and members could experience from the analysis of big data? If you could just summarize that. As you analyze data and you were to look at the benefits on both sides, you're going to get a reduction in expenses. Now, that's after you've built all this because you have artificial intelligence that's doing a lot of work for you. We did a thing in our company that we built robotics that went out to the different insurance companies through artificial intelligence and pulls the information we need. So there's no personal intervention at all. Therefore, you don't have the employee expense, right? And the human factor is extremely important, by the way, but the reality of it is as fast as this world's going, 
those redundant things that can be coupled with a lot of errors because they're being a manual are going to go away. That means a more quality experience for that consumer. So I, I think when you look at a consumer or a member's view, you're looking at improving that quality of experience, making it convenient and easy on how I transact and make it valuable and meaningful to my lifestyle. I think that's going to be the, the biggest factor. And I think with that, what you will get at some level is a relief from interest rate choppers. People that are just going to get a credit card because it's the lowest interest rate. They don't read the fine print. Somebody's going to get a car loan because of low interest rate. They're going to be looking at this as what the entire journey experience was. And that's, I think, how they're going to assess the value and ultimately who's going to be their OFI, their only financial institution, because the competition is bigger now than ever and it'll continue to increase. And you've got to really massage who you can be competitors with and work with and who's your competitor because they're distinctly different. Well, I want to ask you one final question that, that wasn't on our, um, our list of questions, but have you seen credit union membership increase with this use of data? Has it helped? So, yes, credit union membership has increased. To be a little critical, not at the rate it should, but there's so much more opportunity there. They really need to start to leverage these things we spent the last 45 minutes talking about, because I think when they do that, not only is it going to help their existing members, but they have a golden egg right in front of them. That There are huge indirect lending credit unions out there. Think about all the transactions other than that car loan that that member's doing elsewhere. So I, I really think there's, there's a great opportunity and a bright future for the credit industry. I think they have to figure out on the marketing side how to get those low-hanging fruits in the door. And then this data and digital thing is, is an expense that they're going to have to really develop a strong strategy on. Pete Hilger is president and CEO of Allied Solutions. That's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us for the season three finale of Financial Futures, a production of Lower Street Media in collaboration with FIS. This season has been produced and edited by Isabel Pollard and Ryan Sutton. Alex Bennett is our audio editor and sound designer, and I'm your host, Erin Dangler. Stay tuned. Season four is coming soon. Music